Good evening. My name is Father Aaron Williams. I am the parochial vicar at St. Joseph in Greenville, where I also teach and serve as the chaplain at the school, St. Joseph High School uh, and Our Lady of Lourdes Elementary. Um, but I'm very happy to be here. I actually entered seminary with one of your own, with Father Jason Johnson. He and I entered the same year. Um, so it was nice to return to Vicksburg today. There's been a lot of talk lately in the news and in social media about freedom and laws. We've been hearing about freedom of speech or freedom of assembly with recent protests and demonstrations in Washington. Having just passed the 46th anniversary of the Supreme Court ruling of Roe versus Wade, which legalized abortion in the United States, we can hear people clamoring for a freedom of choice, as they say. This past week, as well, we saw a signing of a constitutional amendment in the state of New York, which effectively protects abortion up until the day of delivery. And so we can now speak of laws which claim to support these freedoms. And after all, we live in a free country, the United States. We love our freedom, and we love our laws to protect that freedom. And then to stop there. And then we hear this first reading from the prophet Nehemiah. It is the Feast of Tabernacles, the Jewish feast which commemorates the time when the Hebrew people would, would dwell in tents and wandered throughout the desert for 40 years before entering the Promised Land. It was the time when the people were fed with the law and grew in the law. The law of Moses built their fledgling society in these tents. And so each year, during the feast, the people would dwell in tents again and listen to the words of the law read aloud once more, a feast celebrating laws. And so how do the people respond? Well, they're weeping. But why are they weeping? Because the laws are hard to follow? Because there's so many of them? No. Today is holy to the Lord your God. God gave a law to Israel as a gift. It had a purpose. The Mosaic law gets a bad reputation in some Christian groups because they falsely interpret Jesus' condemnation of the scribes and the Pharisees as a condemnation of the law. But we forget that God gave the law to Israel. The law was holy. So why did God give a law? To make the people free. That was always the goal. The children of God need the freedom to choose what is right. The freedom to choose to love God. And so they need a law. Now that may not make sense at first, but what we need to understand is the sort of freedom that we're talking about. You see, Americans like to think of freedom as a buffet. We know freedom as the ability to choose any option before us without consequence. We consider ourselves to be most free when we can do and are capable of doing anything we want, a freedom of indifference. And in such a freedom, our will is not inclined towards the good, towards those things which make us good and holy. Rather, we see the good and the evil as equal options. And the only determining factor is what we want, not what we require. But in the law of God, we find a new understanding of freedom. The freedom that God gives us is a freedom for something, for excellence, a freedom to become the best of what we were created to be. God's law gives us this freedom 
by subordinating our weak human will to reason. We no longer see evil as a legitimate option because we see it for what it truly is, a sham. And thus we are enabled to grow in holiness and to grow in the greatness that God desires us to be. And we obey this law not because we are bound, but because we know it makes us great and bolsters us on towards growth and holiness. And thus the psalmist proclaimed to us tonight, the decree of the Lord is trustworthy, giving wisdom to the simple. Now there are some who would say that it would be better that we all had options available to us, so that those who truly desire to do good may choose it of their own accord. But when we see a child approaching a snake, do we not stop the child and kill the snake? When we see someone walking into a busy street, do we not grab them from behind and keep them safe? But we don't consider this a breach of their freedom because it was the wrong thing for them to do. It was dangerous to them, and we know that they are better all for it. God has so constructed the body, writes St. Paul, so that there may be no division in the body. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. We are all of one body in the church, the body of Christ, and therefore we have an obligation to the care of one another as a caring for that same body. When one member fails, the whole body suffers. And thus we protect the body insofar as we protect its members, insofar as we enable one another to grow in virtue and in holiness of living. And to do that, the church has been so arranged by God that all people fulfill some role in building up that body. At the head is Christ, who governs the whole body wisely with his commandments. And from that head comes all of us, and we each serve some purpose to enliven and to move the body. But just as the body relies on the head to tell it which way to go, so do we follow the will of Christ. Because a body which rebels against the head is not healthy, but diseased. In the gospel today, our Lord finishes reading from the scroll, and the eyes of all the synagogue looked intently at him. As more and more begin to question the law of God, the eyes of all are looking intently at us, at the church. What will we say in the face of modern man's insistence at a freedom of indifference? At a freedom to choose abortion, for example? The easy answer is to stay quiet, to act like this has no effect on us. Some even go as far to say that it's better this way, so long as I'm not the one to choose. But what will we say? Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform. He opened the scroll so that all the people might see it. And as he opened it, all the people rose. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people, their hands raised high, answered, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and prostrated themselves before the Lord, their faces to the ground. In the face of the grave moral evils promoted in the world today, we must stand firm in the love of the Lord and of his law, not because we are mindless servants, but because we know of the love of a God who desires our excellence, who has destined all of us to be the greatest that we can be and ultimately to be with him. 
And more than that, we need the members of that body, the church, to do their part to support the head, who is Christ the Lord. We need families to be vigorous in promoting the truth in their children and raising them in love of the Lord. We need Christian men and women to be faithful witnesses of the good that such a freedom can bring. And we need many more faithful priests to be unwavering in their commitment to the truth and to hand on that truth for many generations to come. You and I, we are entering into a world which is hungering for the truth, a world which is starving for true beauty and goodness. Too long has society allowed things to be done halfway. Too long have we tolerated evil in the name of equality. We have all been handed serpents when we have asked for bread. But we can change that. As G.K. Chesterton said, we do not want, as the newspapers say, a church that will move with the world. We want a church that will move the world. Right now, the church needs good men and women to give up the way of the world and to enter into the heart of the church. We need young men and women with courage who are not satisfied with anything less than the truth and who are willing to fight for it. Sometimes you hear people say that young people today need to dare to be different, but I don't say that. They should dare to be better. The more we tolerate this mediocre, indifferent attitude towards life, the more mediocre and indifferent we become. What happened in New York this past week was just the start. Politicians in New York were won over to approve this amendment because they were fed a lie that true freedom is simply the ability to choose. Do not fall for that. You can be greater than that, and you are meant to be. For God has so constructed the body so that there may be no division in it. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. But if one part is honored, all the parts share its joy. <clears throat>